Matthew 12 beginning in verse 47 It says, Then one said unto him, meaning Jesus, Behold, thy mother and thy brethren stand without, desiring to speak with thee. Uh, you understand that, that situation? Remember that situation where Jesus was up uh, speaking before uh, some of the elders and whatnot, and, and Jesus' mother and, and some of his family were looking for him, and they sent word into him uh, that they wanted to speak to him. Uh, and this is what Jesus said. He said, But he answered and said unto him that told him, Who is my mother? And who are my brethren? And he stretched forth his hand toward his disciples and said, Behold, my mother and my brethren, for whosoever does or do the will of my Father which is in heaven the same as my brother and my sister and my mother Sister Coleman said you know sometimes uh, your church family uh, is closer to you than your natural family well I want to tell you something it's supposed to be that way uh, I, got, I got many brothers and sisters and other relatives and uh, without a doubt, those who are in the body of Christ uh, are closer to me than my family who are not in the body of Christ. And I, have, I have many family who are in Christ, uh, so that makes it double nice. Alright? But he is saying here, Jesus is trying to put forth the truth and trying to put something in, my, in our heads, in our hearts that we need to learn to live by. He is saying, first of all, my focus is on the Father. And those who have the same focus as I do, they are family. They are really family. We may not live like family, but in the eyes and the heart of God, we are family. The blood is always thicker than the mud. The blood of Jesus makes us family. Understand that. I don't care how you might not like the person that, 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 that sits across from you or around you. If you say you're a child of God and they're a child of God, then that's your brother or your sister. Huh? I don't care what church you go into. And I used to, I used to like to go into churches where... Uh, People were a little funny and a little uppity. As a young preacher, when I was in the Baptist church, and they would start talking, people, you know, preachers, <laughs> God help them, preachers would, were fond of showing you what they had in the church, or how many members and that kind of stuff. And, and you get up in the pulpit to, to preach, and one of my favorite lines, introduction was, you know, I thank God I came to uh, my church, and I thank you all for taking care of my church, uh, because my elder brother, Jesus Christ, died for this, and we're brothers and sisters, and we all have the same father, so I don't feel strange, your, your pastor welcomed me here, but this is my church. 
You name the name of Jesus Christ, it belongs to you, it belongs to me. Because we're brothers and sisters in the Lord. And thank, thank you for taking care of this so, so well, you know. And people look at you kind of funny, kind of strange. Like, where is he coming from? He didn't put one dime in the plate, all right? Well, we're brothers and sisters in the Lord. Amen. So why should I feel strange if you say that this is the house of God and, and, and Jesus is Lord? Uh, he uses those terms, brother, sister, and mother. But he talks about the Father who is in heaven. So Jesus is relating to us as family. And that's who we are, first and foremost, family. I want to read also to you from... Uh, First Timothy, just two verses. You don't have to go here. Just write it down if you get a chance. First Timothy five and one in the Amplified says this: Do not rebuke an older man harshly, but exhort him as if he were a father. I want to stop right there. There's such a thing as respect in families. There is an order in families that God has set up. If you know anything about men, you know that one of the most important things you have to give a man is respect. If you can respect a man, then a man will communicate with you. But if you approach a man with a sense of disrespect... You lost him altogether. I, I've seen people who, who try to counsel couples and they make the mistake right off the bat of disrespecting the man. Now I don't care what the man did or what he didn't do. When you disrespect him from the beginning, you have lost him. Something I learned in the world. So... I respect him. And elder men, you give extra respect to them. God, uh, God says through this word through, uh, that's written here, do not rebuke an older man harshly. That means don't treat him like a child. You know something is wrong with the world today? Children are treating older folk like their other children. Yeah, that's right. That's something that used to be, uh, when I grew up, that regardless of who the person was, if they were your elder, you treated them with respect. Now, they could be the, the worst person on the block. But if your mom or your dad found you disrespecting that person, uh, it didn't matter what they did to you, they dealt with your disrespect first. That is a part of the order that God raises up. There's something, there's some respect due, is due to a person just because they live for a while. Alright? He's saying here, don't treat elder, an elder man, or you could say an elder woman in this case, any kind of way. Approach them in a proper fashion. Don't make that elderly person uh, don't put them on your level like they're a child and, and this is what's happening so much in the world today uh, it, it's, it's a it's a youth oriented society and everything is turned upside down and everybody's following the youth 
I mean, from the pants hanging down to... I, I see guys 40 years old with their pants hanging down below their behind. With their underwear showing. Yeah. I found that prison guard. Yeah. A youth-oriented society, and the youth see this, and they mistreat older folk. You have, you have broken the order of God, and your society is not going to work when you lose that kind of respect. He says right here, don't rebuke an older man harshly, but exhort him. Uh, even with what you say, say it in such a way uh, uh, that you don't necessarily challenge him, uh, but you respect him. You can disagree, but there's a way to disagree. Amen? Amen. Uh, as if he were your father. Now this is the rule in the church. Young folk, if you have to deal with, with an elderly person, older person, do it with respect. Huh? If they do something wrong to you or something happens, deal with them with respect. That's God's order. Uh, we will deal with the situation or the circumstance, whatever it is, but as long as you stay in God's protocol, then something can be done. Because when you disrespect people... You lose them, especially older people, you lose, you lose them right away. He says, as if you would your father. Now, I know, I know it's in the world today that the, the family in the United States is sort of fragmented, all messed up, and a lot of people won't treat their father right nowhere because their father uh, don't seem to deserve any kind of respect because of the way they treated their family. Back here, the father was head of the household. And they said, when you treat the people in the family of God, Treat them like you would treat your father at home. And that's the way it should be. Treat them with respect. He goes on and he talks about younger men. He says, treat younger men as brothers. Don't come here on, on your brother or sister in the Lord. Alright? Don't be condescending. Just come straight and level. Treat them like you would want to be treated. Alright? Uh... He says, older women, treat older women as mothers. How would you treat your mother? As older woman in the body of Christ? Uh, Sister Coleman, I hope you don't mind me using you. Uh, you're a little older than some of these women in here. She ought to be treated with the utmost respect. Amen. Amen. This is God's protocol. If you want to please God, that's one place you can please God. Treat her with utmost respect. Amen. As you would your mother. And most of us want to treat our mothers right. And we will treat our mother. So treat her uh, as you would your mother. We're talking about building family in the household of God. And this is, this is where we start. Uh, younger women as sisters. Hallelujah. This young dude, when you, how you, how you deal with your baby sister? First of all, you protect her. You don't let nothing happen to her. That's right. Huh? You, you, you guard her from the thugs and any danger. You don't let people say something about her that they shouldn't be saying. That's your baby sister. That's right. Huh? That's the thing I try to teach young men all the time. You need to teach these young women. You may be a young uh, guy in the church, but you need to teach the young women as your sister. You call them sisters in the Lord, 
you owe them that kind of sisterly respect in the Lord. He used the word here uh, at the end of thing, at the end of this thing. He says, with absolute purity. God knew when He wrote this that there was a tendency for young women to be treated in a certain way. In even in Christian circles, the way you look at a young woman in a church ought to be with a pure mind and a pure heart. Amen. Uh, not with lust. Uh, not with any other thing in your mind. But that's my sister, and I'm looking out for her. I have her best intent. At heart, everybody in the church ought to treat the young women that way. That's that's family. Am I telling you right? This, what, what you're reading here is doesn't. The Lord is telling us how family ought to act. That's right. Huh? Family ought to treat fathers with respect. Ought to treat one another, brothers and sisters, uh, with, with respect and regard. Ought to look out for the young women. Ought to look up to the elderly women. Uh, ought to be respected, not put down. That goes for a, a nuclear family, and it goes for this family in here, and we're family. Amen? Praise the Lord. I'll tell you what. Uh, you find all people of all, in all stages in the church. Elderly, newborns brothers, sisters, whatever, different stages, but we have to forge this into a family, amen, and we have to treat one another. I know probably most of us didn't have the, everything that you would normally expect to have uh, or, or God expect us to have in a regular family, because, but God tells us how a family works in his word. And if we didn't have it in our regular family, we can still have it in his family, yeah. which is here. Alright? And we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna talk about it. So how is how is this church family like a nuclear family? I got a few things to, to tell you. Number one, this family is a place where people ought to come and be able to find love this right here. We ought to be marked by love. This family right here. Did I say uh, we all agree all the time? No. Did I say we don't get rough with one another? I didn't say that. I said, but this is the place where people ought to be able to come and truly be loved. In spite of differences, in spite of, uh, of whatever, love ought to be real right here in, in, in this family. That's what has to mark uh, the family of God. John 13.35 says this, By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. See, Christian churches have a duty not only to show the world uh, family values, but we got to demonstrate love. I'll tell you what, if you have a ministry where love, true love, really operates in that, in that ministry, people will, will, will beat themselves over the hell, or beat one another over the head to get into your ministry once they find out that love is real. Amen. I, I don't mean fake, fake love. I mean real love. 
that has to mark uh, this, and that's how, that should mark a real uh, nuclear family in the Lord. Also, in a church, and somebody need to say amen when I say this, a church should be a place of peaceful refuge. Now, there are a few people whose home is a place of refuge. Peace. Where you come home from work and everything stops at your door. And and how home should be that way. I hear elders saying amen. It means a lot to be able to leave the world outside your house when you come home and say, hey, I got to deal with that tomorrow morning when I get up, but I'm home now, that's it. It doesn't come in here. That's the way the church ought to be. The church ought not be a place of turmoil. It ought to be a place where when people come in, they find peace. Amen. And tranquility. Because a lot of times people don't have that anywhere else. It ought to be here because it because the Spirit of God is here. We're here, alright? Uh, refuge. Some place where you can almost hide out, alright? Uh, church can be a busy place, but it still can be a, a refuge. Uh, you find love here. Once you find love here, it ought to be peace here also. If, if there is no if there is no peace, then uh, you won't attract people. We will drive people away. If everything they hear and see here is bickering, uh, people will say, I, "I don't need that." You know, I, I I really don't want to come to church to hear people complain and whatnot. Peaceful attitudes. That's one thing we're talking about. First John 2, uh, verses 10 and 11 say this. He that loveth his brother abideth in the light, and there is none occasion of stumbling in him. But he that hateth his brother is in darkness, and walketh in darkness, and knoweth not whether he goeth, because that darkness has, has blinded his eyes. Do you know how important it is for us as believers to truly have love for the brothers and the sisters in the Lord? Unfeigned love. The the Bible says here that if you hate your brother and sister, you you, you know you can we can come to church or we can come on a Sunday morning and, and feign that we, we love one another. But in our heart, there's hatred. He says, if if you really have that kind of thing going on, then what you are is somebody who is in darkness. You've not received the light that love brings. Listen to me. I'm not telling you that you got to like everything that everybody does. You will not do that in families. Listen, uh, up to a certain age, me and my sister fought like cats and dogs. Because she was older, and I, being a boy, did not want her to have preeminence over me. And I challenged her. I mean, I was the big devil in that situation. And and, and there was always something going on with her. But you know what? I loved her. Don't, don't, don't let some boy down the street look at her wrong 
Because as little as I was, I was going to be in the middle of the situation. Ready to get my head beat in. All right, I give her all kind of grief, but we were family. Say, we, we, we were blood. And, 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 and we had many arguments. And so, so the same goes here. There'll be disagreements among us. But the thing is that we're family. The, the love is not always in the head, it's in the heart. Uh, and, 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 and what the Bible is saying is that you don't want to walk in darkness because you, you fool yourself. Uh, if you have trouble truly loving people, what you need to do is let God do a work in your heart. It's not something that you simply can do just by going over and saying, hey brother, I had this against you, and, and you know, and so forth, so... Uh, Forgive me. That's not going to do it. You can do that every Sunday and still have hatred like crazy for the person. The thing is that we need to pray and mean it. Lord, you help me. I have trouble with that person. Help me love them the way you said I, I need to love them. Amen? That don't mean you got to invite them over for tea. Huh? You may not never have them to your house. Alright? That, that doesn't mean that. That doesn't mean you, you all got to go on vacation together. Sometimes that's the worst thing that uh, Christians can do. Huh? But I'm, I'm saying that in your heart, you ought to love them. Even if you got to love them from a little bit of a distance. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Uh, peaceful attitudes. So we need to have peaceful attitudes. You know, get to the point where the things that they do that aggravate you, you just laugh about. Well, you can just laugh about them and just just say because that's what you did if you if, if you were in a family and somebody did something. Well, that's just Ju- that's just Judy. That's just the way she. I ain't gonna let Judy mess up my day. You know, I love her, but phew, she's out there, right? You still you still accept her even though you don't deal with her stuff. Amen. That's the way that's the way church family gotta be. Because I tell you, we we got some stuff with us, church. Huh? We, we always got some stuff with us, for real. Uh, peaceful attitudes and peaceful actions. Philippians two, three and four says this: Do nothing from factional motives, clicks. Through contentiousness, strife, selfishness, or for unworthy ends. What is your motive for what you're doing? So do nothing for these motives. Or prompted by conceit and empty arrogance. I'm reading Amplified, y'all. It makes it a little clear to me. Instead, in the true spirit of humility, which means lowliness of mind, let each regard the others as better than and superior to himself, thinking more highly of one another than you do of yourselves. Now, let, let, me, let me explain to you how this becomes so much easier. The Bible is not saying thinking or believing that they are better than you are. You're not to believe that anybody is better than you are. That's an unbiblical attitude to think that somebody is better than you are. Why? Because God says that, that, that all of you are fearfully and wonderfully made. You ought to think highly of yourself in the Lord. 
because of what God says about us, right? And if, and if we can think highly of ourselves as, as the Lord thinks about us and say about ourselves what God says about us, then we don't have an inferiority problem. Therefore, it's easy to lift up someone else. It's easy uh, to, to, to put them ahead of yourself because it's not saying, when you do that, it's not saying they're better than you. It's not saying necessarily that they deserve better than you. What it's saying is that, listen, I thank God for what God has done for me, and I am blessed, and I am so blessed that I can bless them. And that's what I need to do, is to bless my sister and my, and, and, and my brother in the Lord. And one thing that always happens is, you know, you're always blessed when you bless uh, your brothers and sisters. So it's not a, it's not a thing of, uh, of making them and your heart better than you because no one is better than you. And if you have a problem in, in thinking that someone else is better than you, then you haven't received really the love of God uh, that's been poured out on you. No one is better than you anywhere. At the same token, you are better than nobody else. All right? So it's easy to be gracious when, when, when you have the kind of uh, idea and attitude about you that God has about you. If you don't know what God's attitude is about you, study. And let him uh, get it down into you. Listen, we're talking about peaceful actions. Whatever you do, do it in lowliness of heart. You know, me as a pastor... My job is not to come to somebody because I'm a pastor and shoot down on them. You ought to do that about it. No, 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 no. My, my, my job as a brother in the Lord is to come with a, with a uh, uh, lowliness and, and heart and mind and try to reach that person and, and not to make them feel small. That's the attitude that I ought to have. That's the attitude that we ought to have toward each other. You know, if you approach a person the right way, they will hear you. At least they'll let you say the few first few words out of your mouth. But if you come with the wrong attitude, act in the wrong way, uh, they're not going to receive you. And I'm going to tell you, one of the biggest problems I find in the body of Christ that I don't find in the world today is that we are thin-skinned. You have heard me say this over and over and over. We cannot take any kind of criticism or rebuke. Listen, I, I hear people say, well, you can talk to me. I'm just a buddy, a lot of folks in the body of Christ, you say the wrong thing to them, you have got a lifelong enemy. There's something wrong there. When you were in the world and you hung out with your buddies, come on now, and they was getting in your stuff but doing you the wrong way, you, you were quick to tell them, look, you better get back. You, 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 I saw what you did in there. You, you played a game on me. See? Don't do that to me no more. Okay. All right? Now, 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 they would laugh about it or lie about it, whatever they did. But guess what? You were out in the club the next week. What you say? You were doing your thing the next week. You were still buddies. You were not afraid to bring it up. And they were not afraid to deal with it. And, and one way or the other, you got it dealt with. In the church. Oh, my God. <laughs> you go to somebody and say, Sister, listen. What you said, you know, I wonder how, 
were you putting me down when you when you said that? When you why did you tell the pastor that? I didn't you know and you go to somebody and the first thing they start wagging their head. Now you got a problem. You got a problem in most cases. Now why can't we be real? Why why can't we be real? Listen, I'll tell you, my feelings get hurt when people catch me wrong with a wrong attitude. I don't want to hear that. Believe me, I don't want to hear that. But I have enough maturity to push them emotions back and say, you know, you were right. Maybe I shouldn't have said, I need to think about that. I didn't really mean to say that. That's not really my motivation. That's not really what I meant. You know what I'm saying? Push that stuff back and get on over it so we can stay tight. In the body of Christ, we have to learn. That is one skill that's lacking. For us in here to be the kind of church that God has called us to be, we got to learn to deal honestly with one another and in love. And not, not think because somebody says something to us that we don't like, that that's the ball game. No, that's just one little thing in our relationship that's got to be dealt with. And if you never never come to agreement on it, okay. Alright, you believe that, I believe this, and, and we just keep on keeping on, alright? But sincerely love one another. Sincerely deal with one another. Got to have that in a church. And I've seen that sincerely lacking. Church ought to be a place of encouragement. Can you come to church and be encouraged or are you discouraged? Have you ever been been in a church where you've been discouraged rather than encouraged? Ephesians 4 verses 11, 12, and 29 says this. And he gave apostles, he gave some apostles, some prophets, and some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. Who gave? God gave. To who? To the church. For what? For the perfecting of the saints. For causing the saints to be mature and equipped. Alright, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, the work of the ministry is done by who? The saints, right? That's pretty clear here. It's not done by the, the pastor, the elders, and the deacon. It's done by the saints, alright? For the, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. That means the building up. Edifying is, 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 a, is a term that's used uh, in construction. For building up like you build up a building. For the building up of the body of, the body of Christ. 29. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. But that which is good to the use of edify or building up, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. It is saying that if what you have to say to a person in the body is something that's going to tear them down, you don't need to say it. Even in 
bringing some kind of correction, it ought to be done with encouragement. You see, if if you tell a person where there is something that's wrong, generally you ought to be able to tell them how they can get it right. And it shouldn't be done with, with the eye of judgment to condemnation, but, but to the idea of, of, of looking at things and, and seeing whether it is God or whether it's not. You give people encouragement if you tell them, listen, this is wrong, but this is right, and this is all you got to do to get it right. And you do it with the right attitude. We ought to be our biggest encouragers. Nobody needs to, to, to be told when you fell flat on your face and you go to your brother or your sister and you're talking to them about it. You do not need to be condemned about what happened to you or where you missed it. Uh, if, they, if, if, if this person, if, if somebody comes to you in the body or you know something concerning them and they've uh, gone to God and they've repented of it and God has, has forgiven them, uh, our job is to encourage one another. Our job is to uh, give the word of God to do whatever it is to build that person up and make them strong again. So the church, the family of God, ought to be a place full of discouragement, encouragement. You take a household where especially parents don't know how to encourage their children, and their children are wrecks. Their children will wind up missing the mark. Their children will wind up with an attitude where they really believe that nothing they do will cause them to do anything but miss the mark. You know what? And, and some of you who, who have done a, a bit of counseling of people, one of the one of the most prevalent attitudes in many people who come for counseling is that they tried their best, they love God, they've done all this, but somehow they always feel that they don't measure up. Somehow they feel there's always something else that they've got to do to please God. Now a lot of times that comes from old family or, or teacher situation, something where somebody uh, didn't encourage them, but discouraged them. No matter what they did, it was never good enough. No matter what they did, it never came up to snuff. And people are sitting in the body of Christ trying to find what else can I do that's going to make God happy with me. What else can I do? What else can I say? And, and the moment they feel that they've come short in some little area, condemnation comes down on them. This is a bad problem in the body of Christ. As, as a body, we have to learn to be encouragers. Hey, it's all right. God will take care of the situation. Don't worry about it. Help to build you up in the situation, not to condemn a person. Amen? Amen. I'll tell you what I find useful. And it's something that we all can use. Whatever happens to you as a person in life, 
especially bad things that the Lord brings you through, you can use those things especially to encourage somebody else. Look for situations and circumstances with people that God brings in your path who are dealing with something that you dealt with and God gave you victory over. That's hope, that's encouragement uh, for, for people. 2 Corinthians 1, verses 3 and 4 says this, Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort, who comforted us in all our tribulations. Why did he comfort us in all our tribulations? That we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. This is what I was saying before. Whatever troubles you have, God has comforted you through those situations as a believer so that you can be a comfort to others uh, as, as they come along. You, you often hear me say that you are not living your life simply for yourself, you're living it for others now. Whatever happens to you, God will use to help somebody else. Don't waste any opportunity, don't waste any situation or circumstance that happens to you in your life uh, by not uh, using to help somebody else. I, I see you sitting down there, Sister Carol, and, and, and I think often of your testimony that you give uh, about dealing with, with the drugs and all of that. That's a perfect example of what this Bible, this scripture is talking about. Uh, God took her through that. It wasn't an easy ordeal. It took some time, uh, and he comforted her more than once. But it all had a purpose, not just to, to get her out, but for all those who now can be comforted by her and what God has brought her through. And she will comfort them with the same comfort that she was comforted with. Amen? Uh, and God says that, that, that about all of us. Listen, the Bible says that the devil meant it for evil, but God will take it for good. Amen. No matter what happens to you, no matter what the circumstance, God can use that for good for somebody. Amen? Amen. Amen. The church is a place or should be a place of nourishment. Oh, hallelujah. I'll tell you what, spiritual TV dinners don't get it, church. You got to get some real food. You do. You know, you know what's good about, about church people, and we laugh and we make fun about church people, especially on Sunday. You know, you find church people out at the restaurants on Sunday. Church folks like to eat. Church folks like to eat together. And that's true. And, and, and you know why? Because that builds fellowship among people. The people that you eat with, you become close to. And that's just, the church has always been that way. Uh, I know we, we uh, tease folk about, when I used to be in the Baptist church, about their chicken dinners and all that kind of stuff. But those chicken dinners and stuff they had, they used to bring them sisters together. Uh, I say sisters because most of the time they would take a, a chicken dinner, a turkey dinner back home to the husband because he is back watching the football game or something. But the sisters that bring them together. Uh, it's something when you can break bread together with people. It helps. 
to, to come and eat together. There's just, just something about that. Uh, same thing in the church. Listen, we can study the Word of God on our own. We should, definitely. We shouldn't just depend on what comes in the church, from us in the church. But listen, it makes a big difference to sit as a body and receive the Word of God together. It's like getting a spiritual meal. And you sit, if there's peace and there's truth and there's love and all that permeates the atmosphere, uh, the word that comes forth, you can eat of it and it builds and it, it will draw you together because basically you're getting the same word. You're all getting the same nourishment. Amen. So this ministry should be a ministry where people can come and be nourished because, you know, there's a lot of malnourished Christians around here. They, they don't know much of the word. They haven't been taught much of the word. Uh, I thank God there's so many preachers and teachers here. And, and look forward to time that uh, they can be used to, to help nourish some of these folks. Amen. Um, church is a place of sharing. Hebrew 13, verses 15, 16 says this. By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is, the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name. But to do good and to communicate, forget not. For with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. He's saying, it's good for us to praise God. It's good to offer up the calves of our lips, which is our praise and our worship to God. But it says that we should not forget uh, communicating uh, like like we do with, when Sister Coleman uh, had her recent loss, like we do with Sister Gwen when, when she's gone through, to communicate our, our care for her and so forth. And to go beyond that, to share with them when they have need. The church ought to be a place where we can share, share of our time, share of whatever uh, is needful for us uh, as a body. Uh, people need to know when they're going through hard times that somebody cares and not simply uh, because they're curious. Somebody cares because they love them. Listen, we're all going to go through hard times, but it helps when you know somebody really, really cares about you and what's happening. Uh, to you and somebody really really praying for you it ought to be a place uh, where we can share uh, James 2 15 16 says this if a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food and one of you say unto them depart in peace be ye warmed and filled notwithstanding ye give him not those things which are needful to the body what doth it profit Go in peace, sister. But I don't have no food at my house. Praise the Lord. God bless you. I says, uh, take him by the store, buy him something, put in the refrigerator, feed her and her children. Amen. Uh, that's really sharing. That's really, really caring. Now, you often hear me talk about don't be a fool and don't just turn out your wallet to everybody that, that turns up. We know we know that. But that's why that's why you build family. You know people in your family. You know the situation. You know the circumstances. It's easy to help. Should be easy to help family. Should be easy to share with family. Amen. Amen. 
Uh, and the last thing that I, I put down concerning churches and families and how they should be alike. Churches and families should, should be a place of healing and deliverance. Boy, when you come in with you come in bound. A church must be a place where you can get healed and you can get set free from what the devil is doing to you. Without that, uh, church falls far short. And I'll have to tell most of you that most churches are falling short in that category. There are people who are sitting up in churches today and, and they're in their minds and in their bodies they're racked uh, they're driven uh, the devil is having a heyday with them and uh, although the church has the key nobody is using it to get them free uh, that's what family ought to be about a real family it ought to be a place where you know a little kid gets hurt he comes home to mommy he gets a scrape on his knee, you know, mommy blows it or puts a little whatever on it and puts a band-aid on it. You know, boom, he can go on out. He's, he's, he's got troubles. Things are, kids are goofing around with him in, in, in school and, and terrorizing and whatnot. He ought to be able to come home to mommy and daddy uh, and sit down. And they ought to be able to help him and give him some peace of mind and then and, and go forth wherever the trouble is and go forth and stop that stuff. Amen? If, go to school if necessary. Say, look, my kid's being bullied. Uh, I don't have anything against the kids, but maybe they don't understand, but I like this to stop. Stop it. Put an end to it. The church is the same way. We're family. We ought to have that because God is our Father. Uh, Jesus as our Lord and the Holy Spirit indwells us. We ought to be able to put an end to that stuff. The devil shouldn't be allowed to bully us. Amen. That's family. And we ought to be able to do that for one another. Amen. And I think probably for us we understand that more uh, than most people. Uh, Jesus spoke about it in Luke 4.18. He says this, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them are bruised. Now, uh, we say, well, that was Jesus saying that. Well, you, you know that there's such a thing as a great commission. Mark 16, verses 15 uh, through 18 say this and he said to them meaning Jesus go into all the world and preach and publish openly the good news of the gospel to every creature of the whole human race he who believes meaning he who trusts in and relies on and adheres to the gospel and him who set it forth and is baptized will be saved from the penalty of the eternal death. But he who does not believe on the gospel of him who set for he will be condemned. And these attesting signs, now this is signs that attest to us because we're believers. And these attesting signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, the name of Jesus Christ, they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up serpents. And even if they drink anything deadly, it will not hurt them. They will lay their hands on the sick and they will get well. 
That's our family. That's what our family is about. That's what we ought to be able to expect from the church family. Being well. Listen, there are a lot of broken-hearted people, and we're all praying, hoping that God will send some of them into here that they might be able to get well. But we have to be a family. They have to find love here. They have to find peace. They have to find nourishment here. Amen. Uh, they, they have to find a family that functions. Not a malfunctioning family. A malfunctioning family is a family that works, but it works poorly. It's like a malfunctioning car. You got a car, it will go up the road, but it's just about making it. It's noisy, it uses gas and oil too much. That's a malfunctioning automobile. Not a dysfunctional family. A dysfunctional family is just a family that don't work at all. It works as something else than a family. Okay? Rather than encouraging the family members, it discourages the family members. Rather than building up the family members, it, it, it tears them down. Rather than, than showing love and, and, and engendering love into family members, it engenders hate. Huh? That, that's a dysfunctional family. That's one that really doesn't function as a family. We are a family. And by the grace of God Almighty, we will be a fully functioning family of God. Uh, New Testament family of God. We know what it takes, but it starts with us. I'm not telling us this is something that we can't do. It's something that we can allow God to do. And that's all it takes. I'm telling you that it's something that it will take a challenge for us to do. I'm telling you about doing something that most churches balk at. Because it means preferring your brother or your sister before yourself. It means not taking an offense at a time when it's very easy to take an offense. This is a different way of dealing with one another, but it's the biblical way of dealing with one another. Amen? It's, it's allowing the fruit of the Spirit of God to develop it in us, in this ministry, uh, to the extent that we are a real New Testament church. Amen? When we function like this... We don't have to worry about the power because the Holy Ghost is here. We don't have to worry about the unity because we will be in unity. Amen. Amen. Uh, it's a challenge. And I know it's a challenge. And I know that we will be challenged. Uh, no sooner than I say this, I know we'll be challenged. Amen. But I, I want to put the challenge out there so that you know ahead of time why the challenge is coming. Amen. It's all, it's all designed to get you off of, of being a family. 
How, how, how does somebody outside the family, if he, if he has something against the family, what, what, what is one of the best ways that he can, he can destroy a family? Get a hold of somebody in the family. And if he can get somebody in the family to begin to act in such a way uh, to cause problems in the family, then he can begin to destroy the family. See, the devil ain't afraid of a whole lot of what, what we think he's afraid of. But he is afraid of a, of a New Testament family of God. A church that's family. Because he knows that's where the unity is. He knows that's where everything is that will draw people. Because listen, that's the only way I know to lift Jesus up. Is to operate in the way that Jesus operated. And how did Jesus operate? Jesus dealt with things that he had to deal with. He put things down he had to deal with. But Jesus was long-suffering. He was large-hearted. He, he, he loved uh, when other people wouldn't even think about loving somebody. He put himself back when others should have been putting themselves back for their sake. Amen? That's what family, church family is all about. That's what uh, we're all about. That's where you're going to find your greatest challenge in these coming weeks and months. Because if we can go there, and if we can do that, there is nothing that the devil can do to stop us from being what God has called us to do. Amen? We, 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 we have, we have a, a group of people that, and I, I don't think a lot of times we, we realize uh, with the diversity that's here, uh, with the gifts and the talents that are here, I, I don't think we really realize a lot of times what a threat we are to what Satan wants to do against the body of Christ. Satan fears a united family. Amen. And that's what we are, and that's what we're going to be. Amen? Amen. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So, Sister Debbie, you, you started me out where I needed to be this morning, talking about family. Uh, I thank God for teaching me continue to teaching me what family is all about and what's required uh, we serve one another as family we love one we love one another as family we, we love God with a love that can't be worked up can't be thought of can't be fixed up it's something that we have to let go right it's something that uh, the Bible talks about that love of God that's shed abroad in our hearts. We have to let the Holy Spirit shed that love that's in our heart abroad. For the first has to begin at home. This is home. Amen. Amen. And that's, that's the earmark of, of who we are, and that's going to be the earmark of who we are. Amen. I thank God that God meets all our needs, that we're not uh, paupers. 
whatever is necessary in the Lord, uh, we have it. If there's someone here today who wants prayer concerning something, uh, I want to give you the opportunity to come on up and uh, that we will pray with you. Amen. And if not, we will dismiss and go home. Amen. Come on, sir. Well, we have prayer reports uh, on the other prayers, but we'll do that next week. But uh, I haven't had a period of that. I don't feel like that. Um, just this past week, after I was sharing it, um, a woman at my job was talking about the fact that she hadn't had hers. Long story short, she was going to have to have and they're looking for cancer. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you try to be like, oh, that's not a problem for me, da, da, da. but underneath, I was like nervous mm-hmm. and wanted to address it and just confess it to the Lord. I was like, God, I don't want to be a fear, but I want prayer. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. How many of you know that God cares about everything that concerns us? Mm-hmm. Our sister has a concern and, um, the enemy wants her to think that it's a very, very serious thing, a possibility of, a, of something very, very serious going on in her body. Amen. That's the way he is. He will always take us to, to the worst scenario concerning anything. Well, we, we, we don't believe that. Amen. Uh, we want to pray that God deal with the whole situation and that... Uh, beginning with with this fear. Y'all join me in prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you, Lord, that uh, you you bless us in ways that that we have no idea. We have needs, Lord, uh, and we're praying for other things, but you still meet our needs. Uh, I thank you, Lord, that that, uh, this young lady has a need in her body today. Lord, you made her and you can regulate her body mm-hmm. every system in her body yes, Lord uh, from, from a skeletal system to endocrine system to a blood system Lord to mm-hmm. every uh, lung whatever it is reproductive system yes, uh, Lord whatever it is mm-hmm. today we just ask you as brothers and sisters yes, in the Lord of our sister mm-hmm. Lord, you just touch her. Manifest that healing which is already in her. Lord, uh, that everything would be normal. Thank you, God. That that nothing uh, that the enemy would have tried to do against her would would, would prosper. As a matter of fact, in the name of Jesus, Uh we we speak to any spirit of infirmity which has tried to grab hold of her in her body. And we just command that thing to loose her and die right now in the name of Jesus. You that have come in uh, and, 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 and caused things to be not as, as they should be, we break your hold on her right now. And we say, let our sister go in the name of Jesus. And we just thank you, Lord, uh, that, Lord, as we stand with her, we just, we just say that everything is normal. Everything is, is as it should be. Uh, and, and Satan ha- has no victory here in any way, shape, or form. And, Father, I just ask that you would deal with her mind. 
give her peace and let her know, Lord, uh, that uh, we don't know about other people and things that have happened to them, but we know that she is a daughter of the Most High God. Yes. And God takes care of those who are His. Mm-hmm. And right now, in the name of Jesus, Father, we thank You. That, Lord, that she's going to go and she's going to deal with this situation. Mm-hmm. And the report that she gets, Lord, is going to be normal. Thank you, God. And, the Lord, everything else is going to be normal. She's going to come back and she's going to give us a full report. Yes, God. To your glory. I receive it, Lord. Of what you've already done in it's Jesus' done, done. name. Yes, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord.